We're starting a new series, a six-week series on the book of Ephesians. Um, the book of Ephesians is in the New Testament. It's a letter, actually. You know, we, I was realizing like how strange of words we have as Christians. Like This is called a book instead of a chapter of a book, right? You're holding a book. Anyway, the book of Ephesians is a letter. It's a letter written by a guy named Paul. He's writing to a church in a town called Ephesus, and that church is growing really fast. And, and I, think, I think he's writing because he is just like overwhelmed with this new idea that he has, has been revealed to him. God revealed to Paul directly. Paul in, in another place says that he was taken up into heaven and shown things. He got this very direct vision of what was going on. And that vision, that, that, that revelation was so radically different. So amazingly different than how he grew up, than how he learned. This guy, Paul, was a, was a Jewish man who was one of the leaders, like a teacher. He, he was steeped in the Jewish religion. He, he, at some places, just like, kind of like the humble brag, like, I'm better than all of you <laughs> because I, I've done all of this stuff. I, I've behaved, I've followed every law perfectly. I'm from the perfect family. I'm from the perfect lineage. I know the scriptures better than anybody. But he gets this revelation and he says, like, oh, that's nothing. All that's trash. All that's garbage compared to what I now know. And then he tries. He tries so hard. A little over hard sometimes, right? If you know Paul's writings, like, it's sometimes it's, what are you talking about? Because he's just, I, I used to think he was so intellectual that we couldn't relate to him. Now, after studying Ephesians again, I'm really starting to think he's more like a little kid, like an eight-year-old kid comes running in the house after having just seen a unicorn or something, and he just, he just can't, right? He just can't. He's, he's trying to say things, but he's like all over the place, he's like, and he changes the subject, and he had a tail, and he also had magic rainbows coming out of his horns, and, right? He's just all over the place. That's my new vision of what Paul is like, because, because he's, he's so overwhelmed with what he saw. And how different it is for humanity. How different it is for religion. How different it is than what we thought. And I think, I think, I think that we're kind of back into thinking how we used to think. How Paul thinks. How he got brought up in, in these religious, sort of steeped in these religious uh, foundations. And we need new vision. And we need to get excited like an eight-year-old kid and like, what? That's really what it's talking about? So that's what I'm going to try to do today. I'm not going to make it, but that's what I'm going to try to do today. I'm going to start my, my look at Ephesians by looking at Genesis chapter 11. If you know me, you could just laugh a little bit right now. It starts every, every teaching with Genesis. But this time it's not Genesis 1, so you're lucky there. Genesis 11. You know this story, um, or at least probably you know the title of it, right? Even... If you're not steeped in the Christian stuff, you, sort of, you know the title of this story, which is the Tower of Babel. You've heard the Tower of Babel. You've heard that phrase probably, right, in your life somewhere. Maybe you don't know what it is. This is an ancient, ancient, ancient story. And it's very tiny. The story in the Bible, it's like four little tiny paragraphs. But, it's, but there's something here that's very deep. It's something to think about when you read these ancient stories, like 2,500-year-old little set of words here. How? Why? How? What's this doing in our lives today? Why is it here? How, why do people say it to each other over centuries? What's important about this? So think about that. Then they said, come, 
Let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we can make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the earth. Okay? Tiny little sentence. Why did people keep this sentence? Why did this sentence inspire people? Why do people like, that's right. It's because there's just deep, deep truths that are in here. There's two or three really deep truths just in that sentence. One is that we build structures that reach to the heavens. If you, know, if you hear nothing else I say today, hear that. We build structures that reach to the heavens. That's what we do. That's what we do. We try to build something that, that takes the place of God. We try to build something, construct something, make a tower, and that tower is going to take us all the way to heaven. That tower is going to get us there. That tower is going to be God. It's just super true of us. Why? Well, honestly, honestly, one of the reasons I think it's true of us is that God, the actual God, is just a little bit distant, mysterious, inaccessible, odd, right? And so it's just easier if we could just build something that we know. If we can just put walls around it and make them nice. So we build. We build idols that we can bow down to, sometimes literally, but, but, but more often not literally, but no less man-made. We build these intellectual structures. We build rules and boundaries and language and symbols and traditions, all of which are intended to reach us to the heavens. They're intended to explain God to us, to make him more manageable for us, because we're puny, Another, another truth in this thing is, is that that tower had a purpose, and the purpose was supposed to be that it avoided scattering them. It avoided them having to be scattered over the whole earth. See, if you live together tightly with people, something that has to be true is that you have to sort of agree on what's good and what's evil, what's right and what's wrong. You have to come to an agreement about that. And if you can't agree on that, then you're going to scatter. You're going to have factions. You're going to have divisions. You're going to have fights. You're going to have wars. So we try, we try to make these things that, oh, we, everyone can agree on this. But we, get, but we don't. We can't. Because think about it. Like, it's also, there's some humor baked into this. This tower that they're going to build to the heavens, let's just pretend that it was real. Pretend maybe it was the wrong word. Let's think that it was real. That it was a tower, an actual tower that they were going to build. Like, for them, how tall would it have been? 100 feet? That would be huge for the time, right? 100 feet, 200 feet. And they'd be standing there like, whoa, this is a tower. It's a huge tower. It almost goes to the heavens. Meanwhile, a mountain right next to them at 12,000 feet, right? Like they're nothing. Think about it from God's perspective. You, you zoom out and you see the earth, you see the world. That tower doesn't even exist. The tower's not even there. The mountain's not even there, right? When you see the, 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 the famous like blue earth, the blue globe, the blue marble, the mountains aren't there, let alone this hundred foot little tiny puny thing. That's the same for us. We build these structures, these mental, we think we're over, oh, we think we're all that. And, and then God comes along, the, the, next, the next little piece in this story. God comes along, and, and, and some, a lot of scholars think there's some humor in this. Like God stoops down as low as he can get, and he sees this little tower, and he's not impressed. And so it says, so the Lord scattered them from there over the whole earth. And they stopped building the city. And that's why it was called Babel, which means confused. <laughs> they were confused. Mankind is confused. 
We think we're doing something, but we're not. We think we're impressive, but we're not. We think we're reaching to the heavens, but we're, we're not. And all that continues today. And so I wanna, th- I wanna think about this. What structures are we building now? What structures are we building today? Not the Sears Tower, I'm talking about mental structures. Uh, structures of, of belief. So, first tower, the first structure that we build, and all of us do, like I'm not excluded from this, I'm not, all of us do. And, and I wanna also say, and I'm not gonna say it again, but there's some really good things in these structures that we build, okay? Uh, so I'm gonna see some of the negative sides, but there's some really good things and necessary things. So don't hear me saying that it's not. But first tower that we build is a, a tower of personal piety. Personal piety. In this view of the world, um, the, the whole energy, the whole thing is about making God happy. What do we have to do to make God happy? Or at least, what do we have to do to not make God mad? Right? What is it that we have to do to keep on the good side of God? And so we do things by the book. We do things by weighing it out. Our essential task is to try to figure these things out. And surprisingly enough, it, it's just never clear. It just never seems to get clear enough. You would think we'd be able to do this. We'd be able to come up with a a really great set of things that if you just do exactly these things, God's happy, and if you don't, he's not happy. But we just can't. It seems like it would be really easy, and if it seems like someone else could hand you the book, wouldn't that be great if someone just handed, here it is, just follow all these rules. But since it's not clear, then we just start building for ourselves. We build all these rules, hundreds of rules, thousands of rules for ourselves. Rules like this. Alcohol is fine. Getting drunk is not fine. That's just a rule you might have built in your head. Drugs are not fine. Unless they come in like a form of a gummy bear. (laughs) That's not my rule. Never. (laughs) Just saying, you might have made that rule. Never accept help, ever. Never accept help. This is one of my rules. Never accept help. It doesn't matter what's happening. But if you do have to have help, then try to return it by times like 1.675. That might, that'll get you good. Swearing is okay, but not in front of kids or people from church, right? That's, that's just a rule. It's again, not my rule. I, know, I don't have that rule. But on and on and on. We just build, we have thousands of rules, And despite how many of them we have, this is the thing. This is the problem. Every one of these has this major problem. The problem with this one is you never feel like you know all the rules, and so you're always a little nervous. You're always just a little on edge, like, "Uh uh-oh, am I doing, am I, I, what, right? And you never feel good that you followed the rules, so you're always a little guilty. People who build these towers are always a little nervous and a little guilty, or a lot nervous and a lot guilty. So that's tower number one. And that that tower fails at such a rapid rate that it leads us kind of into tower number two. Second tower is organizational piety. You start to come to this realization like, well, I can't do this. Like, I just can't. I'm never going to follow these rules, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to join a group, and the group is pious, so I don't have to be perfect. Like, just as long as the group is good enough, then I'm going to be good enough. Like, I'm just going to stand in the middle and mind my own business and not make much noise. So I can't impress God, but the group I'm in does. In this building, in this tower, almost all the energy is spent weaving a picture of how we're right, of why we're right. All day long, every day, 
all this energy is being spent. We constantly need to tell each other why we're right. We weave a fabric that's constantly wanting to hear the same things, wanting to say the same things, wanting to read the same things, wanting to, wanting to um, watch the same videos, wanting to send the same video to the same group of people. It's all weaving, it's all weaving, it's all weaving. If you stopped and thought about, like, why in the world would I want to read those same articles all again? It's because this boundary, I just need to be convinced that I know exactly where the boundary is. I need to just weave this thing. That icon's kind of silly, but you, you get the idea, right? It's, I'm trying to define the boundaries, of, and I'm trying to just weave it, weave it, weave it. Anything that's in is in. Anything that's out is out. And we, we try to make those boundaries as clear as we can, and we try to understand that we're standing inside. Oddly enough, with this, with this everything doesn't have to be consistent. It's, it's very odd, and it's some, not something you think about a lot, but you don't have to be consistent. You just have to know what's in and what's out. So some behavior could be in if I do it or if he does it, but it could be out if she does it or he does it, right? Though how do I know which one is which? Well, I know because of the weaving, the articles, the, the messages, right? I know because my group just keeps telling each other what's right and what's wrong. Every now and then some new things happen and it's more like, wait, is that, is that one right or wrong? But it doesn't take long, the weaving begins. Right? It gets established. The teacher who was in good standing today is off the island tomorrow. They're woven out. The trouble is, if you're paying attention, you can see the cracks in this. You can see the hypocrisy in this. You can see the meanness and hatred that's sometimes in this. And something just doesn't feel right to you about this. but we just put it away and go on yelling. I mean weaving. <laughs> the third approach focuses on right thinking and right believing. So you've gone through this and you're like, wow, well that didn't work. I still didn't feel good. And so you think also, like how could that be even true if it's so variable? If it's so fickle, if it can be woven and we unwoven, how could it be right? And so you start looking for something that's right, right, right. Right? That never changes. That's, that's solid as a rock. And this, in this kind of weaving, the main focus and the main energy is knowing exactly and precisely what your scripture says and what it means. And I use the word scripture purposely there instead of Bible because this, this, this idea, this way of thinking actually extends itself into lots of different groups. The scriptures could be different. But the idea is the same. The behavior is the same. All of this effort is put into reading and studying that scripture. It's placed under a microscope. It's sliced into tiny, tiny little pieces. And it's examined. It's intellectualized. It's systematized. And then when all these pieces are laying out on the table, right, all these little slices, then what happens is we put it back together. We build it back together into this giant theological tower that reaches to God, that explains God. And we're like, we did it. We did it. I know what the Bible says, and I know what it means. Right? I'm a pre-trib, a millennial, whatever, whatever. Well, good for you. I hope you're right. I mean, I hope you're exactly right. The uncomfortable fact about this, the trouble with this is that it's not as solid as we think it is. 
Like I've lived in this world for a long time. It's just not as solid as you think it is. Those towers are also deceptively movable. We don't believe the same thing now in 1919. My notes actually, oh no, okay, good. In 2022, <laughs> woo! <laughs> we don't believe the same things now that are solid, that are rock solid, that we know for sure the Bible says in 2022 as we did in 1922 or in 1822 or in 1022 or in 22. It's not as solid as we think it is. It's not moving maybe as fast as the weaving is, but it's moving. The industrial age coincides with our mechanical view of salvation. <laughs> what? That's a huge coincidence, right? No, 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 no. Our thinking, our solid is not as solid as we think. The fourth set of towers is this, is this um, idea of broad, radical acceptance. People kind of go back to the weaving again. You look at the weavings and you're like, well, if they're weaving this and they're weaving this and they're weaving this and they all hate each other, they all can't be right. They all can be wrong. Maybe they're all wrong in a way that they're all right, <laughs> right? So, they, so you get this approach of radical openness, like everything is right. Everything is good. Everything is, is going to be acceptable. And, 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 and this actually has a range to it. It's not all or nothing. Like we, it's easy to pick on like everything, everything, everything. But, it's, but, but this kind of thinking gets into all of us. My mom and dad were very open. She was a Reformed church baby and he was a Christian Reformed church baby and they got together. <laughs> I mean, that's broad thinking, Right? <laughs> But they thought, but, but seriously, it was, it was this kind of thing, right? It's like, whoa, maybe the world's bigger than I thought. Maybe it's broader than I knew. And this kind of, this kind of tower of like, oh, maybe, maybe it's all bigger and broader than I thought. Super lot of energy is put into expanding our boundaries and under, trying, to, trying to be broad. There's some problems though, right? One is that it's a, it's a weaving of its own, it's weaving this idea that open is good and closed is bad. You can't be in unless you're open, right? So that's a, that's a conundrum. It, and it can't answer its own questions. It can't like say something is right or wrong because it can't. Nothing can be right or wrong. The only thing that can be right is op more open. And so it just has this problem with trying to adjudicate anything. All right, so whew, we're not to Ephesians yet, are you? but I'm tired. <laughs> so those are my four towers, and just like the Tower of Babel, these towers look big to us. When we build them, they look right, they look true, they look like they're reaching to the heavens. But they aren't. They aren't reaching to the heavens, and they're not reaching anywhere near them. They're built to make us feel better. They're built because we have this kind of underlying something fear that we don't exactly know who God is and we don't exactly know what our standing with him is. We're sort of, we're nervous and we're fearful that we, that we might not have it right and, and that God might not accept us. My heavens, I, I, I feel this all the time. I mean, you might be surprised just to, just to know how deeply inside of me that Christian Reformed dad is who's like, whoa, kid. I mean, you got to do this right. This fear that like, oh, I don't even know. I don't know, if, I don't know if I'm doing it right or not. And so wanting to just grasp onto things that help me know that I'm doing it right. And so I come to Ephesians this time. You know, I know Ephesians, right? I've studied it a lot. I come to Ephesians again this time. And I'm reading it. 
and I'm just absolutely blown away, absolutely overwhelmed by this, by this thing that I'm seeing in there that Paul is saying that he's, that he's undoing all those models, that he's tearing down all those towers, that he's saying none of those are how it works. All of those are puny. All of those are minuscule. All of those are not even perceived by God. And he brushes them away and he scatters you like the wind. All of those are tendencies for, for you to build something from the ground up. When the truth is, when the truth is, this is all top down. This is all top down. This is all coming from God. This is all his story. And we're just along for the ride in some ways, right? We're just along for the party. This is all his doing. This is all his plan. This is all his power. This is all his enactment. I want you to, I'm not going to have, we don't have time to read Ephesians chapter 1, but read Ephesians chapter 1, then 2, and then 3. Especially those three, first three, you will be, if you look for it, you will be amazed. He cannot stop saying, this is all from God. 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 This is what makes it so hard to read. He's just like, la, 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 all from God, right? And he's just so excited. But it's, oh, he's overwhelmed with this truth. And I think that's the kind of overwhelmed feeling that we need to get. Oh, man, I ha I'm like this. I'm like grabbing all these things. I'm like building all these towers. And I need to be more like, I need to be more like, okay, with my open hands, I don't build anything. I don't build anything. This is coming from God. God has a plan. God has, God has the power. God's doing the building. What am I supposed to do in order to come along with him in what he's doing? Everything is, everything in these first chapters is over the top, richly abundant, generous. Um, he says every blessing, you're freely adopted. It's a total renewal of all things. All of his words are all these like completely big words. So what I did, I did this exercise that was kind of really fun for me. I took Ephesians chapter one and I just started crossing out words. Now don't go, oh! <laughs> that's totally against your personal piety building, right? I mean, that's, that's not right. I started, but I started crossing off words. I'm like, okay, Paul, you've said a lot of things here, but that, the second half of that sentence was really unnecessary because you were just like zipping off on something else that you're gonna talk about some other time. But don't talk about everything at once. Let's try, to get a, let's try to get a line here. So I'm just crossing off words. I have this great Google Doc where it's just Ephesians 1 just gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. One of my, one of my steps along the way, I'm going to read you this one. This is all of Ephesians 1. From Paul, a messenger picked by God to God's holy people. Grace and peace to you from God. Praise God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He chose to take up, uh, he chose for us to take part in him before the creation of the world. He planned, empowered, and freely adopted us simply because that was his great desire and will. Through Jesus, we have total renewal and forgiveness. It is a free gift that he lavished on us. God made known to us his plan that he would bring all unity to everything under heavens and earth. And then he accomplished it through Jesus, 
We were in that plan, a plan that our very existence would praise God's greatness. And you were in that plan when you heard the good news of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with a seal guaranteeing your inheritance. For this reason, ever since I heard about you and your faith and your love, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And I keep asking God that he may give you wisdom and vision. Oh, this is great. Wisdom and vision. So that you may know him better. And that you may know the hope to which he has called you. And the riches of his inheritance. And his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. It is all top down. There is nothing you did in any of that. Right? You were picked. You were adopted. He lavished gifts on you. You just needed to be there with your hands open. And stop building so many things. Yes, I'm not saying you don't work along with God. I'm not saying. In fact, what am I saying? <laughs> here's, what I, here's what I want. Here's what I want you to do as you're walking out the doors. By the way, I'm skipping three slides. <laughs> it's about time. Here's what I want you to do when you walk out the doors. I want you to have a new vision. Paul in the end says, I'm praying that God gives you vision. Well, what kind of vision? There's lots of things that it could be. Here's one that I want you to be taking with you. One is, uh, be aware of when you are constructing. Be aware of when your hands are doing the building. Be aware of when you're making something that is trying to reach to the heavens. Second, be aware of when you're worshiping a thing that you made. Or be aware of when you're worshiping a thing that we made, that a group made, that a weaving made. Be aware of when you're worshiping something that, uh, that, that has its origin here. And by worshiping, I mean totally bought in, total energy, heart given to it. Be aware and have vision to see, be aware of when you're calling something solid, something bedrock that isn't solid. Be aware of when you're saying that something is this when it isn't. It isn't what actually came from God. And be aware of just how tiny and minuscule your construction really is. And that reality is giant compared to it. When you see reality for what reality actually is, God and God's spirit really is, your construction isn't even on it. Your construction doesn't even show up. But then don't despair. Don't leave here like, oh, Kurt just told me how there's nobody. Right? <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, because God did this because of his love. God did this because it was what he wanted. He did this out of such joy. I mean, that's the other thing you're going to see in these first three chapters. Just joy pouring off. See this big picture and this God construction and how joyous it is. And pick up on this phrase that God is going to bring unity to all things under Christ. Accept your place in that joyful, joyful story with open hands. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, thanks. Wow. What big things, what big thoughts. Paul was so over the top excited. And I picked some of that up, right? I, I, I'm excited about this, and I, and I pray that we all can be, that we all can see with these eyes that, wow, 
Reality is really actually different, bigger, better, broader, more joyful than we think, than we give it credit for. And I pray with Paul that we have eyes to see, that we have hearts that feel your presence, and that, and that we have open hands that accept your plan, accept your power, accept your work, accept your freely given, overabundant gift.